You're listening to the Female Social Podcast, a real and raw conversation about life, business, and everything in between. Join your hosts, Jen, 40-something multipreneur juggling motherhood and marriage, and Emily, 20-something brand and web designer, wine enthusiast, and passionate goal chaser as they navigate authentically through their different lenses of life. What is up, everyone? Happy Monday. Thank you for choosing to spend it with the female social. Today, we have a guest that will definitely make sure we are starting the week off with the right foot forward. She is the ultimate happiness scientist. When she is not speaking Spanglish and climbing trees with her four-year-old, Calvin, you'll find her coaching her clients, the Hapsters. Listen to her coach and educate on how to navigate business and feelings on her podcast, the What's Happening podcast. It's her mission to help ambitious female business owners like you realize that your brain is the cause and solution to all of your problems. Once you know that, you can stop creating more problems in your life and start solving the world. Here she is, Jess McKinley. Awesome. Thank you, Em, for that awesome introduction. So funny, like, hearing it back sometimes I I still feel like I'm just at the start of my business sometimes when I'm on these things and then I hear all of kind of what I've been through over the last three to six years and I just think god I need to talk to more and more women about the real truth and the behind the scenes of like what it's like to be accountable to yourself as you're growing your business that's awesome. We are so excited to dive in. I can agree more. Yeah, talk about it. Um, so Jen, why don't you lead us off with our first question? Absolutely. I'm so excited to have you, Jess. We, you know, when we thought about bringing guests on the show and talking about certain topics with certain people, you were for sure one of the first people that came to mind. And the reason is, is that, you know, we both have not known, all three of us have not known each other for a very long time. It's only been months since we've all been each other's company. But what I've learned from you is so much about my thoughts and my language and how I approach each situation. So uh, I cannot wait to have the conversation about how we hold ourselves accountable (laughs) because I think it's something we all certainly uh, require in our lives. So let's, let's start like this way. When you were young, what did you want to be when you grew up? Curious. Ooh, you know, I remember one conversation that I had with my mom and I think it was right after I was watching one of those Disney shorts. Are you guys like one of those Disney short people? Like those little short films that don't really have any dialogue. And I remember just thinking, this is so crazy that I can be so emotionally invested in this story with no words. Like, I don't get it. I I am, I literally was in tears over one of these And I just remember turning to my mom, like super dramatic. I was a very dramatic teen and being like, I just want to do something that makes someone feel something. And that's really all I ever knew. I just knew in a process of elimination kind of way. Nope, that's not it. Dentist. Nope. Lawyer. Nope. Like I just, I needed to immediately feel connected 
to what I was doing. And that always had something to do with people. And it always had something to do with emotions. And it's kind of funny to like, look back now at all the different jobs that I've had. You know, I lived, I was a youth hostel manager in Peru. I was a a tour guide to Morocco and Portugal. I, you know, did uh, fitness coaching for quite a bit. I was producing acapella festivals and helping acapella groups um, connect with their emotions in their, uh, in their like competition stages when they were on stage and they were doing the music, I helped them connect with the lyrics, right? That was something that I did. And it all has that running theme of just like helping people figure out where their emotions fit in what they're trying to accomplish and what they're trying to do. And eventually uh, that accidentally turned me into a life coach, which of course is the most vague title ever that nobody knows what it means. So hopefully by the end of this episode, you can have some sort of an insight into what a life coach actually does. So typically when you ask someone that question, you get the response, a doctor, a teacher, <laughs> a veterinarian, and you're like, I like taught and grew and like helped acapella singers. Okay. <laughs> I know it looks so random. I think on paper, like a resume, and you, I never really understood it. Like my resume didn't make sense to a lot of employers, which I think is why I turned out to be an entrepreneur. But I think, you know, I always knew that the next job that I was taking was the right step for me because it felt right to me at the time. And I think that more people, um, they think of intuition as this very like woo woo thing. And it's not, it doesn't go with logic, but to me, that couldn't be further from the truth. And what I do with a lot of my clients is help them connect their thoughts and their beliefs to their ultimate results, whether that's in business or in life. And the connector is really your feelings and which drive your actions. So the model that I coach with is that your circumstances trigger your thoughts, your thoughts create your feelings, your feelings drive your actions and your actions produce your results. And so for me, before I even had this model on paper, I think I just always knew that I knew that every action I was taking was to try and either avoid feeling a negative emotion or go towards feeling a positive emotion. I knew all people were doing that. But I just wanted to make sure that I was acting from the emotions that I knew were going to create positive results, like abundance and like intuition and, and um, you know, inspiration. So let me ask you a question, because it's really easy to say these things out loud. But as you, and and it's easy to learn these things as well. Well, not easy, but we can learn these things. Mm-hmm. But back when you first began, and we're kind of, we're, we're jumping around a little bit because we, we I kind of had a, some questions that I wanted to ask and you've, you've answered some of them already. Mm. But the, when did, when was that turning point for you when you realized that you wanted to really dive deep into this? Does that make sense? You know my question? Yeah, yeah. We all think these things, but like when we were like, I need to understand this better. Sure. So prompted that. So I think that I I was raised by people who were very like action oriented. They were like, whatever you do, just always be doing something, right? Like taking action, because you'll learn from it, whether it's the right thing or the wrong thing, it'll always be 
the right move because you'll learn that it was the wrong thing. And that's more important. That's more insight than you'll ever have from just like researching a lot or stalling or staying where you are because you're scared to fail or make a mistake. So I think that when I was like newly married about like 26 and I was, I had moved to Florida for my husband's job and I I went for his job. So I was just bartending and I was kind of doing some fitness coaching on the side, doing random things. I was doing some corporate meeting planning and I just, I wanted to write a book. And the whole idea behind this book was like happiness experiments. And it was aimed at people in their twenties because I really felt like personal development was like skipping over the heads of people in their twenties. It was really more for people who had kind of gotten to that stage where they were like in a job and married. And it was kind of like more of a midlife crisis audience. Like what now? And I felt like what a missed opportunity. Everyone I know in their twenties is kind of like using this whole decade as a gap decade to just like go off and do whatever or the opposite they're like really trying to get all of those things like the job and the marriage and the kids and the whatever and I was like where is all of this like intentional experimenting so my my book I started as a blog to get some data and I set up these happiness experiences experiments like okay you think that this makes you happy here's an experiment for you. Does it actually? And like, what are you finding? Right. And I just loved the idea of people taking action with like the scientist hat on like, okay, this is an experiment and the result actually doesn't really matter that much. It's like, we're just going to look at it as data and the feeling is more important and let's really see what comes out of it. And that really allowed me to do some crazy things that I otherwise would have probably not done. Like, for example, um, I tried to do the insanity program when I couldn't even run half a mile without like throwing up. (laughs) And I was like, okay, like, I'm just going to do this as a happiness experiment. They say that fitness is like, important to your happiness, which was an inconvenient finding for me at that time. And I was like, all right, I'm going to do this. And then it ended up leading to someone being like, oh, you should do fitness coaching. And I was like, I'll do it as a happiness experiment. And then I literally like went all in every time with these experiments. And it allowed me this like little play zone of time to like, it doesn't matter what the results are. You just have to go all in. And it really let let my brain relax and be like, okay, this isn't really a risk. It's just an experiment. So it led me to essentially be way open to failure and not make it a big deal because it was just, I was just a really good point data. Right. So that's a really good point. That's why I started doing it. And I think some people just started to ask me literally happened three separate times what do you charge for life coaching? And I was like, cause I was posting a lot on social media. This was kind of before the term influencer really existed, like 2012, 2013. And I was like, uh, I don't know what a life coach is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really didn't. I had to Google it. And then finally, um, the fourth person, I think that asked me, I was like hundred dollars an hour. I just like made it up. And she was like, okay, great. I'm thinking about, switching from therapist to life coach. Can you send me over a contract? I Googled like 
life coaching mm-hmm. contract. I Googled like how to be a life coach. And what I really found is that this interesting industry isn't regulated. And that the truth is, is that what's most important is that you're not giving advice, which I think is so misunderstood about the life coaching industry. We said, you guys said, I want to talk about accountability because a lot of people think life coaches, like my job is to help you work on your action and tell you essentially what to do and be accountable for you what to do. The opposite couldn't be more true. My job is only to show you your mind and show you how your thoughts are driving your feelings, which is driving your actions so that you can learn on your own without me just telling you it's way more powerful for your brain to realize on its own, oh my gosh, actually I could think this and it would be so much easier for me to consistently wake up every morning if I thought this about working out or if I thought this about my health or if I thought this about the mornings and what my capability was, right? Instead of being like, okay, this is what you're gonna do. You're gonna wake up every day at 8 a.m. and you're gonna do this. Some people will be able to do that. Some people won't. And people are like, it's a mystery. It's just who I am. It's not true. Who you are is what you're thinking. Yes, I think it Got all it. comes down, you know, to mindset and how how you choose to think about certain things, right? So I say to myself every day, I could choose to wake up and be depressed right now or not get my work done and say, oh, poor me. Or I could choose to wake up and say, you know, today's a beautiful day and I have opportunity to learn and grow and meet and connect with new people. And um, it's interesting that you said that about not telling people what to do. Cause I remember when I was going to therapy and my therapist would always say, I'm not going to sit here and tell you, you know, to do X, Y, and Z. She Mm. would ask me questions that would then make me think and then make me apply those thoughts to my everyday life and how I chose to whether you know, engage with the thoughts or change my thoughts. So, um, yeah. And I think that's a question that I get a lot too, is like, what's the difference really between therapy and life coaching? And I think there is some overlap for sure, but I think oftentimes, well, first of all, therapy like works with a range of people from like high functioning to low functioning coaches really only work with like high functioning people that want to take their life to the next level. Um, it's out of my scope to work with people that are super struggling with or need a medication certainly. Um, but then most importantly, I think coaching is very future focused and also results focused and therapy tends to be a little more past focused And, um, you know, I mean, certainly results play a role, but it's, it's not quite as results focused. So, right. And I think a lot of times people go into any situation, whether it's therapy, coaching, you know, uh, anything that we do to help us grow and evolve and change is like, we're looking for the how to's. I remember I had a coach once that he's like, how do I, how do I, how do I, he's like, stop asking, how do I, and just do it. You know, like we spend so much time searching for the answers on how to do things Mm -hmm. when ultimately the answer is like literally right inside of us. Right. It's like, so it's like, so it's, I love everything that we're sharing because I think it's really relevant. Jen, that couldn't be more spot on. I think that that's one of the unlearnings that I have to do in the first month with people oftentimes is like, oh, I I certainly do. I'm a hybrid coach. I'm a, my business is my niche. So I do have some tools and some, you know, guidelines, some things that I, I give people to do, but ultimately that's the least 
important part that contributes to the results. And like, I can't even tell you, I was just having a conversation last night, late last night with one of my clients who was just saying like, it's so crazy because two of her friends are starting to work with me. And she's like, I just don't even know how to explain the work that we do together because all of the questions they're asking are like, not the point. And I'm like, I know, but like you had all these same questions too. Like we're set up to think like, okay, how exactly did she help you get from this to like six figures? Right. And it's like that you won't know the how until you get there. And that's kind of like a dirty secret that people like think I have this like secret how, but the truth is, is it's different for every single one of my clients And the most important part is a willingness to feel negative emotion and a willingness to fail a lot. I'm like, right. It's like horrible marketing, but I'm like, my, my tagline should be like, work with Jess. If you want to feel terrible to learn how to get amazing results, (laughs) but it's it's true. I think you have to be okay with failing. We have to understand that with success comes failures. There's no way that we can continue to grow and evolve and, and get more out of our lives, our businesses, if we don't encounter failures. I mean, it's, it's, it's inevitable. It's going to happen. There's ne- it's never, it's never this, right? You've seen that, like, and I, as I'm doing this, I realize we're on a podcast. So it's never <laughs> that like straight up line to the top. It's like circle roundabout. You know what I mean? Like it's a big yeah. whole messy diagram of lefts and rights before you get to where you want to be. And then when you get to where you want to be, ultimately you're going to want to go someplace else. So it's like an ever changing constant evolution. And speaking of ever changing constant evolutions, I want to talk a little bit about um, being in network marketing and how that supported mm. you to get to where you were today. Cause I know that you were part of a network marketing company and I know that I am too. And it teaches you a lot. I think it opens, I think it, and you spoke a little bit earlier about how you always kind of had an interest even as a child, but mm. what did network marketing do and how did that kind of propel you into where you are now? Yeah, I think this is so fun to talk about. I have like pure love for Beachbody, which was the network marketing company that I was part of. But in general for network marketing, I think, you know, we all know it gets, it gets a bad rap. And I think truly like if I was not in the process of doing happiness experiments so intentionally, I don't think I would have been open to the opportunity that ended up changing my life and really opening my eyes to um, how clearly I was meant to be an entrepreneur um, but I, I think for me, it did, it did a couple of things. Number one, it really introduced me to the world of personal development, which is now so much of what I do. So it was, it was part of the vital behaviors that we had to constantly be growing ourselves. We said, basically your team and your business is not going to supersede the growth of your brain. And I think that that's true for all business owners. So that is something that I tell my clients all of the time. I don't think that there's a single business owner that should not have a coach. It's, it's mind-blowing to me how much opportunity people are missing out on by not having a coach. And I understand like a lot of people when they come to consults, they're in this predicament where there's a lot of business investments that you have to make. And you're like, what one do I do first, right? Like, And I think that... I get why it seems like coaching is like the soft skill that'll just come later on. But I think that network marketing really showed me that 
how quickly I was able to grow was a thousand percent related to how quickly I was able to like manage my mind and um, to like get through the thoughts that we even think like eventually you're going to get through them, but it's just how quickly you do it. And it's like how quickly you're willing to let go of the person who you were yesterday to evolve into the person that you're going to become, right? So personal development for sure. Um, Second was just this concept of giving and receiving and like the connection between them both. You guys know I have a second business called Moguls of Infinite Opportunity that was kind of born out of this idea that for sure I learned from network marketing, which is this idea that when you give with no expectation, the receiving comes in ways that you can't kind of predict. That's why the how is not the right question, right? It's like when I'm going out there and I'm connecting with people and I'm just getting to know them, which is a process that you learn in network marketing. Um, and some people listen, some people don't do it in the way that that is the right, which is why it gets a bad rap. Similar to life coaching, like it's not regulated industry. So you're going to have some people who are just like shitty at it. (laughs) And that's unfortunate, but I, I don't want it to be regulated because also the cream's going to rise to the top and you'll know really quickly if there's someone that's authentic and genuine and that you want to work with and that has your best interest. Um, but with network marketing and it was kind of hard for my husband at the time to wrap his brain around like the way I was spending my time and efforts in the beginning, which was like, yeah, I think a lot of my team, you know, I, I coached them on their mindset and that relationship with, you know, the people who were supporting them as they were growing. It's kind of counterintuitive to the way that we're taught business works, which is like, it's very one-to-one and you need to know the return on investment of every single one of your actions. And sales is a process that like, you know what I mean? And I just network marketing kind of flips that on its head and it's like, go out there, grow yourself, be an example of what's possible or be a product of the product. Right. And then connect with people, let them know that you can help them then kind of just like keep giving and the receiving just comes. And the other thing is too, when I'm giving like a mad woman, I don't feel bad asking someone if they want like, like giving a, an actual offer, right? Like a hard offer, because I'm like, even if they say no, I don't feel like bad. Like I, I took something from them by asking because I've already been giving them so much that usually they're kind of like, Oh my God. Yes. Like, how can I learn more about what you do? You've done already so much for me. Um, and I think that that giving, receiving connection and mindset has like carried over. I love that. I love that. I, I really do love that. I actually, and I, I obviously know you well enough to know that giving and receiving is a huge part of who you are and what you do. And you're a huge giver um, and you've given so much to me and Emily, uh, but I never actually thought to apply it or understand that it, it came from that idea of sharing what we do in an authentic way. Right. Yeah. And if we share what we do in an authentic way over and over and over, we're essentially giving all of us, in a way that we're representing our companies or our businesses or whatever it is, or our network marketing companies, whatever it is in the most authentic way. So I love how that like kind of comes full circle. I actually never thought of it that way. And did you want to ask her the question about rituals? Cause I I'm, I'm curious. I, I want to know. Yes. So 
Um, definitely like, you know, in the morning, I know it's about accountability and you're not telling us the how to's, but you always share on your Instagram stories, some of your non-negotiables in the morning. So we want to know your rituals and things you do every morning to set yourself up for success. Yeah. So every morning is a stretch, but I also have a four-year-old and, um, I share custody. So I have like a unique situation. Like my week looks, I almost feel like I'm living two lives, right? Like the days where I wake up and my son is in my house is very different from the days that I wake up and I don't have my son. Yeah. As any mom who's listening to this is like, I can't even remember what my life was like before my kids were waking me up. Right. So I, on the days that I don't have my son, I wake up earlier, which is kind of weird because my son wakes up very early, but I just know that I need to start my day with intention and like really make the most of those days because then I can kind of relax and be more just like in the present and in the flow on the days where my son is there. I've come to really just like make the most of the circumstances. Some days it's not the best sharing custody, but really you know, you have to find like the beauty in whatever your circumstances are. And before I was sharing custody, I did have morning routines as well, but they've changed a little bit. So I'm just to shed some insight on that. Cause some people are going to hear these routines and they're going to be like, what, how do you do that with a kid? So I want to let you know, like, I don't do this always on the days I have my son. So I do something called savers. It's an acronym uh, from the miracle morning. Have you, either of you guys heard of this? So I've heard of savers. I have. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's an acronym that stands for silence, affirmation, visualization, exercise, reading, and scribing. Um, And there's actually an app that I highly recommend that's free that everyone can use if they want to try this. And it's called the miracle morning app. And I think it's actually TMM app. Um, but basically it'll, it will time each of these things for you. And it, it inputs like a way that's like really delightful. So (laughs) when you're doing the silence, you can put on some like background music. Sometimes it's like birds chirping or like waves or whatever. Um, I, I don't, I'm not great at meditating. I've always been like, it's like this elusive thing that one day I'm going to master it, but not my, not my forte right now. So I'm not going to like preach that, but I do think that there's, there's something to be said in giving your brain a little bit of time, downtime to just like, because that's it. That's the one. Well, I've had this downloaded and I looked at it before and I'm like, I don't really know what I'm doing here. So yes. I've just not reopened okay. it. Amazing. But amazing. So I'm going to tell I'm gonna you. Sh- I'm going to start. <laughs> okay. So you can set the time. It, it automatically shows you 10 minutes when you click on any of the things. So if you click on silence, it'll show 10 minutes. I don't do 10 minutes. I can't, I'm not at that advanced. I think I do three minutes of silence. And what I do during this time is I close my eyes and I just rapid fire. I think of myself as like, you have three minutes to be grateful for everything that I can possibly be grateful for. Something that I learned in my research as a happiness scientist is that gratitude practices need to be different every day. So Sean Anker, the author of The Happiness Advantage, um, I saw him speak. And one of the most profound things I took away from his research was um, that he worked with AT&T, C-suite, corporate, and he had them do these gratitude practices. <laughs> what he ultimately found in this experiment was that it didn't work. That actually when they, the 
the only way that it started to work was when each day, the thing that they were grateful for was something that they'd never said they were grateful for before. And I was like, what? people have been doing this so wrong, but it made so much sense to me because when I say to you out loud, like, I'm so grateful for my son, I feel very little. And that might sound horrible, but the truth is, is that your brain starts to like numb you to the things that you start to take it for granted, quote unquote. Right. And it wasn't until I started putting into this space for gratitude practices, like I am so grateful that today I am able to like bring my son to school because of the job that I chose. And if I didn't choose this job and if I didn't have this kid, I wouldn't be able to see him respond in Spanish to his Spanish immersion preschool teacher, which is a moment that I can't even, I could tear up right now because I've never said this before out loud. Right. And it's, 10 times more powerful, the feeling of gratitude is, should be overwhelming. It should be profound. And if you're just doing it in a general way, it's not enough. It shouldn't be something that people could copy and paste and put into their morning practice. It has to be specific. Um, I'm obsessed with that. I'm obsessed with that because it's so true. I mean, any, any podcast you listen to, book you read, seminar you go to, coach you listen to, course you take. It's like, do gratitude in the morning. Do gratitude in the morning. It's like, I am grateful for my family. I am grateful for my car. (laughs) I am grateful for my home. Right? And that is like, I, like that is a really, well, I love you. Cause she's, I mean, again, <laughs> you guys can see that she's like totally teared up right now. And it's like really beautiful because it's like, that's the shit, excuse my language. That's the shit that matters. That's I was gonna going to ask you if we could curse. Oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you heard Johnny's mouth? <laughs> Have you ever just had a curse? Checking, just checking. <laughs> I am potty mouth to the fullest oh, extreme. Sorry. Yeah. But, but no, but for, but seriously, that is the shit that matters. That is the shit that will move you. That is the shit well, that will take you from, like what Emily said, I don't feel like getting up in the morning and doing the things that I need to do to drive my business forward. Yeah. That will get you out of bed. That yeah. Will get you out of bed. And I think that it really it. also driving back to the point of network marketing, all of that is about like your why, right? They talk about your why all of the time. And I think similarly, it can start to like numb you out if you have a why that all of a sudden really you're not emotionally connected to anymore. And I think that, you know, there's a common misconception that your why has to be something that's like the same for your whole life. And you need to find this one why. And it's like, no, I think your why can kind of be more specific and change day to day. Yeah. Yeah. Mine is manicures. Oh, (laughs) that's a great why. I'm not kidding. I need manicures, baby. And manicures cost money. Girl, I agree. (laughs) I love it. I love it so much. And and that's the other thing too. It's like, who's to say whether a why is good enough? Like, you know what I mean? A why might seem silly. Similarly to that, I budgeted in this, this last six months, I started going and getting a 10 minute massage at the nail salon, like across the street. And literally when I tell you that, like, I don't do it like on the weekend or like when my day's over, I schedule it in the half an hour I have in between the middle of my week, the middle of my days. I went yesterday in between clients Wednesday. It's like my day. And it's like, so nice. It just like zaps me right back to like, 
this is what it's all about. Someone touching me in the middle of my day and it's so good and it's relaxing. And like, I earned this and you know what I mean? And I just can sit there. You can use those 10 minutes to like really rapid fire gratitude. Like, what am I grateful for about this moment right now? You know, during, um, you know, during the pandemic, it was, it was really hard for me specifically because, well, me personally, it was hard for everyone, but you know, going from employee to now entrepreneur while in the middle of a, you know, worldwide pandemic, it was really hard for me to wake up every morning and get the shit done that I had to get done. And, you know, it was gratitude, but a lot of it was also prayer. And I felt Mm -hmm. like I woke up and at first I would, you know, I would lay in bed and I would say my prayers like in my head. And it was still something different that I never did. But until I actually woke up and said my prayers out loud or before I ate and said my prayers in front of my family and had them also listening to what I was saying, Mm. it affected me in a different way. And I think exactly what you said is, is really, really true about, you know, saying it out loud and making it, putting it into the universe and taking it away from your brain and like really speaking it out. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many different ways to pray. I'm not particularly religious. I was raised Catholic, um, but I don't identify as Catholic anymore, but I still pray. Prayer is such a huge part of my life. And I think that like, this is interesting for anyone who's listening, who's not religious. And it's kind of like, you ever felt like jealous of like some of the things that are part of religion, but like you were like, I'm not allowed because I'm not religious. Like I wrote a whole blog, blog article about like prayer for people that were never taught how to pray. And there's an acronym there too, that now I don't even remember because I wrote it so long ago, but you guys can go to what's happening.com in the blog and just search prayer and you can find this article. But like one of them is adoration. One of them is supplication, like thanks. And one of them is like asking for something. And there's so many different ways to pray and all of them are so valid. And I think kind of playing around with them in your practice too, and being like, today's the day for asking today's the day for thanks. Today's the day for just like being in total adoration of like the world and what is makes it fun again too. Like I'm always just looking for what are the ways that we can make our routines and rituals like different that day and like really fun. Basically, what are the ways that I can feel fucking something today? What are the ways I can make someone do something to make someone feel something, right? That's the mantra. It's so true. It's so true. I love that. And it, 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 I actually want to touch to the prayer and religion thing too. So I'm actually somewhere in the middle of both you, Emily, and you, Jess, where um, I am a practicing Catholic. Like, and I do believe like my children need to go make their communion and go get confirmation. Like I, I'm all about that. But like, I don't go to church on a regular basis. But when I do go to church, there's this like overwhelming calm that comes over me as soon as I walk in the door. And that's where like, it always like takes me back to like that idea of like, okay, like there's a reason why I need to go here. And like, and I still, to this, to this day, like if there's a moment where I feel like I'm disconnecting, like getting myself to church will literally take me right back there. So it's funny how like all three of us are all Catholic, but all show our, 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 our um, dedication to prayer in very different ways funny right like yeah yeah and I think there's no wrong way I love to see like other people and the way that they practice I'm just 
I have a, like a scientist mind. So just like, I'm so curious always about like what works for you. And like with my clients too, again, I'm never going to tell them. And a lot of people just want my opinion. Then they're like, it's fine. Don't tell me, just tell me what you think. And I'm like, I won't, I won't give it to you because that it shows me that you don't yet have this trust with yourself that you have the best answer for you. And I, that was what came to mind when you guys asked me to come and talk about accountability. I, it's like the one thing I want to make sure I mentioned before this podcast, like runs away from us. And uh, like, cause I could just talk to you girls for days. Uh, but basically like, I think when people think about accountability, they think about outside accountability, right? It's like two, I give two tools that people love that are outside accountability. And especially in the beginning, they really love these because they, it's what they came for, right? It's what they're looking for. So one is scheduling. I have a very meticulous way that I teach people how to schedule. Um, and then like teach them to kind of to follow through. And then the second one is kind of like these very little small things that they can do and commit to and win in and send me like, okay, so each month they have to set up their fails that they're going to collect every month. And there's four and they have to collect them. And it's like, send me this by this date. And they like that, like outside accountability, because even if I send back all sorts of edits to this and, or they don't even do them, it's that small win that builds trust with themselves of like, I did this. And that is so important. But the difference between like some coaches, which are treating the symptom of, okay, you're not very good at self-motivating. And I'm trying to think of the other word, but like, you know, personal accountability, right? Some people just think this is like a personality trait. They're like, oh, no, no, no. Like I'm bad at personal accountability, right? And I'm kind of like, oh. Well, it's a skill, so like you could totally learn it. Um, but I can relate because that was something that I felt was not how I identified myself. And and when you treat that symptom all of a sudden, all of the time, you're reinforcing their belief that they can't trust themselves and they can't do anything on their own. So the type of coaching that I do is causal coaching. So basically everything that we're setting up is to empower them to make their own decisions very quickly to um, only make commitments that they're willing to show up and honor. And if they're not honoring them, we call it out. We get very uncomfortable. If someone's like, oh yeah, let's say they have a weight loss goal and they're like, oh yeah, I had my protocol, you know, like kind of slipped off on the weekend and I'll be like, what did you eat? And they're like, oh yeah, like I had a margarita, I had some cake. And I'd be like, why? Why did you eat the cake? And like, you can see me like, everyone's like sweating. Like, why is she asking her that? Oh my God. And it's like, it's not that big of a deal when you're not even willing to look at the thought that you were thinking when you decided to go off your own protocol. Cause I don't tell anyone what to eat. They decided, but the reason people want outside accountability is so they have someone else to kind of blame when they don't get the results. I don't allow for that. Like you are the only person that can create your results. My job as your coach is to be brutally honest in showing you your mind and asking you questions that maybe you've never been asked before about like why you are or are not doing the things that you're doing. It's not about what you're doing. 
it's not like the day got away from me when people go off of their schedule. I'm like, that's not a thing. Days are just days. You decided at 9.30 when it was on your schedule to continue doing this first thing and not switch to do the next thing. Why? And I want to know why, right? And when you get more insight and when you're less scared of looking at your own thoughts and your own like failures, when you're not scared to fail and you're willing to feel the negative emotion that comes up when you're willing, you're failing, you're unfuckwithable. It's like, <laughs> I, I, it's like, what, what else you got? Like, yeah, I'll, I'm ready to fail. I'll do anything that you tell me to do. When my clients get to that point where they're really willing to feel the negative emotion, when I think it's like the opposite what people think I'm going to tell them like, be positive and whatever. No, it's about life is 50, 50. Half of the time you're going to be in the river of misery. Half of the time you're going to be blowing your own damn mind and you're going to be so pumped. But like, if you're willing to feel both and not make either one of those a problem, then it's like, what you got? bring it on mm-hmm. COVID 2.0, lock me up. I don't care. I'll make money. Like, <laughs> you know, it's like a circumstance so, that becomes neutral. What you're saying is really important for people to hear because if there's so many times, I mean, I am, I am an example of this. I am all, always looking for the how, you know, that how to, or someone to say like, just get your ass up and go do it. But the end of the day, I know that it's on me. I know that I'm the one that needs to make myself do it. And one of those things that I struggle with is not being authentic. I think I am myself and I am always myself, but you are so good at, you know, showing up on all aspects of your life. Like whether I'm, you know, viewing you, listening to your podcast or reading your blog or seeing you at a babes event, or even just watching your Instagram stories, you're always showing up authentically. And, you know, what does that mean to you? And um, how do you believe you show up to your audience authentically on a regular basis? You're definitely making me tear up again. (laughs) These last couple of years have been a doozy. Um, I got divorced. Um, I completely like went back to zero in terms of my finances and everything that I was building towards my future, you know, and I was at the same time in a very public space with my business. So I was posting regularly every night of my stories. So I think I came to this place where I had to figure out like, what's the difference between sharing from your open wounds and like sharing from your scars. And I think that people ask me a lot. I get this a lot behind the scenes DMs because I, I think I navigated it in the most authentic way that I knew how on social media. Like I didn't completely stop showing up. I did show up. I burst into tears on multiple live videos. Like, as you can see, even just listening, I'm an emotional (laughs) person. I'm willing to feel a negative emotion. Like I'm willing to feel and I'm willing to fail and, and, and not just fail, like in a pretty way, like I'm willing to be like, I totally fucked up. I totally did this wrong. I handled it wrong. Or I, you know, I, I'm embarrassed that I got married and said I would forever with someone. And then it didn't work out, you know, and I had to And I publicly addressed it. Just like whenever I was thinking something or feeling something, I was like, what, 
if I'm not willing to say it out loud, it's because obviously because I think there's something wrong with this negative emotion. And I was just like, you know what? I'm going to call it off. I'm feeling embarrassing. And they're like, you know, what's really embarrassing? Like divorce. (laughs) Why can we talk about that? Does anyone else like feel like this is a problem that when a marriage is not working and it's not the right place for two people to be, that it's actually more, um, you know, smiled upon by society to stay in that marriage. And like the long, I think the longevity of a marriage can be easily confused with the success of a marriage. And I actually do think that my marriage was very successful. I think people were very shocked when we split because we, we were in love and I still love him and we have a very open co-parenting relationship. And I think that a lot of people ask about that. I think the authenticity is like, okay, I learned very quickly that just because I love someone doesn't mean that we're a good partnership for our future. And why is that something that's so embarrassing to talk about? And I think like the more I looked at my thoughts and the more I saw my thoughts, the more I was just like, okay, if I keep trying to pretend like that is like private, it's why, why, what, what makes something private or not? And because I was not a private person before my divorce. So I was like, why am I going to change this now? It's because of coming from shame. Don't want that to be running the show. Go ahead. Right. And what I think too, a lot of times when you show, when the idea of showing up authentically is the idea of also understanding that it's not necessarily about you when you're showing up in social media and other, in other ways, because right now, like as you're speaking, like I, I actually, I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm, this is my second marriage with my husband. I was married once before as well. I had no children out of that marriage, but still it was still a a, a very difficult decision and a heartbreak and a, and a rough road to get to where I am today. Mm. But the the fact of the matter is, is that you're sharing from an authentic space, knowing that your story could potentially impact someone else. So as you're sharing, I'm like, oh, relatable. There's a relatability there. I, wow, we have something in common. You know, mm. oh, I understand those feelings and emotions that she was going through. So I think a lot of times when, especially as entrepreneurs and businesswomen, you know, you have to show up authentically because And if you're a businesswoman listening, the reason behind it is because you have to be relatable to be in business. You have to have, you know, there's a reason why you have success in the business that you're in. There's a reason why I have success in my network marketing business and in babes in business because of the relatability. And that literally goes down to the fact that I show up authentically every single day. You know, if I don't show up authentically every day, then I'm not relatable because I'm not really being me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And people can tell, like people can tell if your, your Instagram looks like all sunshine and rainbows. People are like, "Mm, is that true? Like, you know what I mean? Like when I'm working out, so I'm like, I do not work out with makeup and I like look like a shit show. And sometimes I go live with, I'm like in pajamas and my son's like literally like, (laughs) like on his iPad. Like I don't edit out like the screen time that I have or whatever. Cause it's just like the truth of my life. Do I have goals to be better about that? Yeah. But the truth is, is where I'm at is, is okay. Like, I think that's the thing too. It's like, we want to show the results. And especially as like <laughs> a person who runs a business where my job is to get other people results. I had a lot of shame initially about like, how am I going to coach people on relationships now? 
who's going to want relationship coaching from a divorced woman? Seriously. And then I kind of realized, well, that kind of counter, it goes against everything that I'm teaching, which is that the results are the least important part. I'm not saying that we don't set goals. Of course we do. I have all my goals listed over here. But, and one of them, certainly I love talking about money. I love talking about women and money. I just posted about this morning and I, you know, my goal is to make a quarter of a million dollars this year. And I feel pretty strongly that I'm going to do it. And I think that a lot of that, my belief that I'm going to get there has to do with this belief scale of going from it's impossible to it's possible to it's inevitable. And when you really believe that it's inevitable, you're not in a rush to do it. And you're not like in shame about where you're at because you're kind of like, it's all connected. Like I will be at 250,000, but that result is not going to make me feel better. And I think that that's what people come to me and need to unlearn a lot is like, I want to create this result. And when I can sense that they're in a rush, it's usually because they're under the impression that when they get this result, they're going to feel differently. They're going to feel more confident. They're going to feel proud or they're going to feel like they can actually believe in their business. And that's not how we get results. You have to believe it first. And then that drives the feeling, which drives the action, which creates the results. Kind of like this catch point too. So already I'm enjoying the like exuberance of making $250,000 a year. So fun. I don't even need to have it because I'm already enjoying the inevitability of it. (laughs) I remember when I ran the New York City Marathon, someone telling me this exact thing, that the, the actual marathon itself was not the prize. That yes. that was just a celebration at the end of the journey. And I was, when they told me, like, it changed every, I have the, literally have the chills. I could cry right now. Like it changed everything for me because training was hard, right? So the process oh, yeah. to get to where you want to be for $250,000, that's hard. Like training, running, you know, 18 miles, 20 miles, 19 miles, 13 miles, day after day, blisters, oh. sores. I mean, I can't even tell you the shit that like went on in my life. Ice bath, all of that struggle was was truly like that was the success. Oh Running God. the marathon was just a celebration. First of all, right? Props like Crazy. marathons. Well, my mom is an <laughs> Ironman triathlete. She does oh like God. those freak things, right? That's like two hundred twelve point two twenty six. I don't remember how many two. I don't know. Lots of miles. And it's crazy, whatever. Uh, it yeah, 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 crazy. It's like an all day event of running, biking, swimming. And I, when I think about that, I'm just like, oh my gosh, yeah. Like how you have to really fall in love with the the struggle, the failure, the all that. And that's why, kind of like another reason I love investing in coaches. Never trust a coach that doesn't have a coach. I have all the I hire all the coaches, and I most recently paid eighteen thousand dollars for my current coach for six months, which was for a single mom a very serious thing. And I felt a lot of like, is my ex-husband going to think like commit me to a psych ward? Like, you know, what's going to happen. Right. And my parents, like, I think everyone's like, like she's losing it. Like, but I just knew like, listen, I know that I'm going to create the result, but that's not why I'm doing this. I want this whole process to be fun. And I know that coaching snaps me back into what's important in the process. 
right? And I think that like I'm saving up right now for May to join a 200K mastermind that costs $25,000 in one shot, right? And I just keep being like, bring it on. What's the next amount of money that I can like save to, to spend? Because the process of spending that money is the point. That's the most exciting part. It's like the belief that I have to, the audacity that I have to have to believe that this is going to be worthwhile is the point. (laughs) It's like so hard. I always say to my clients, like the hardest part of coaching is the part that you have to do to get yourself coached up to commit. Cause you, you have to just like raise your level of belief that like game on, like, I'm just, it's going to be great. And you can do that without a coach in, in different ways, right? Commitments to anything, but I think a commitment to a goal and a commitment to leveling up needs to be like as serious as a marriage. And if you change a goal, it should be like getting a divorce. Like it needs to be a process. There needs to be paperwork involved. Everybody needs to know about it. Right. And I think like people too often are like, yeah, I want to do this. And then they don't tell anyone. And then they don't even really like, and then it's the like COVID hit last year. And I can't even tell you how many of my clients came to me and be like, well, obviously we need to change the goal. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like COVID is a circumstance. You can decide whatever you want to think about this, your results are a thousand percent have nothing to do with your circumstances, nothing to do with COVID. And the clients that stayed on from March to onwards doubled their business last year, like literally all of them. In some of them that had physical shops, like that were closed in COVID. And some of them that like had wedding industry businesses where all of their clients canceled and they were back down to zero. And we just completely flipped it because- I think that they probably think there's a difference between pivoting and changing a goal and you don't have to change the goal. It's just how you're going to get there. Right. It's just how you're going to get there. Well, this was amazing. And one of the things that we like to do at the end of every one of our podcasts is just a quick rapid round. So if you don't mind, Em's going to ask you a few questions, quick answers, go for it. All right. Who inspires you? Brooke Castillo. Everybody look her up. Should I I elaborate? I don't know how rapid fire it is. No, that was perfect. I'm going to Google her after this. Um, Place you most want to travel to when you can. Argentina. Ooh, that's a good one. Cake or pie? Pie, for sure. I didn't even have cake at my wedding. (laughs) Um, Cake. Maybe that was the jinx. Just kidding. Um, (laughs) Pie, I think. I, I like, I like, like, pie I associate with my childhood. So like, this is going to be a terrible answer, but like that, like chocolate pudding pie. Have oh no, that's, that? my, that's my favorite with a graham cracker <laughs> cool crust. And whip on top. Yes. yes. So good. <laughs> um, best thing that happened to you in 2020. Ooh, oh, so many good things. Um, I really don't even know which one I want to pick. I guess I, I, moved in with my boyfriend and that was a really big step for me because I just didn't like the allowing of myself to like be happy and move forward while I was still in pain was like the most coaching I've ever had to do with myself. I love that. And your favorite movie. Uh, <laughs> Ooh, it's a tie. I don't, Captain Fantastic or Dan in real life. 
I have never seen either of those movies. about Dan in real life in your stories. I know. I, about I, Dan I, life in your story. I always watch it. I literally like watch it like once. I own it. I watch it like once every other week. I love it so much. It's Steve Carell. Right, we need to watch it because I've never seen it. Yeah, I've never seen either. Oh, I know. It's Steve Carell. I know what movie you're talking and, about. And like he is like a... Uh, um, advice columnist for parents and like he just like goes about a weekend away with his family Dane Cook is in it and like some other like random oh um, Emily Blunt is in it um, just random it's it's just a feel good like family like like you know I don't know it's kind of like a crazy stupid love a little bit like things happen that you don't expect it. to happen but it's, it's just a family man on it alright so we're gonna watch it so so I think we could say that Jeff knows a little bit about accountability, a, a little bit about a lot, <laughs> and that uh, we learned some new things about Jess today, especially that like she was an acapella coach. So that's for sure something that I'm going to like uh, take oh, with man. me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we could thank you enough for uh, being on this, on here with us today. I mean, you, you're just a wonderful person and we appreciate you so very much. Can you pretty please? Besides being at Babe's events, can you find let people know where they can find you? Yes, you can always find me at a Babe event. But then secondary, um, you can find me on Instagram at what's happening W Jess. So that's W H A T S H A P P Y N I N G W Jess J E S S. And uh, you could check out my podcast if you guys are listening to this. You're probably a podcaster, so. Flip right over and subscribe uh, to the What's Happening podcast. Same as my Instagram. And yeah, like reach out. I never, people are always like, do you think it's weird? Like, I don't know. I just never think it's weird. Like you can't weird me out. Please come and DM me. Just tell me kind of what you thought of this podcast. Tell me all the things you think about Emily and Jen. I agree. (laughs) They're amazing. Um, Yeah. And give me feedback on the podcast. I'm really trying to like connect more with my podcast audience. It's kind of hard. It's weird. It's not like social media where you can see who's listening. And I want to hear you guys. So I would love to know what you think and what your favorite episodes are, all all the things. Yeah. And if you want coaching, like hurry up because I only have a couple more slots for one-on-one. Thank you for tuning in to the Female Social Podcast. We hope you enjoyed our latest episode. For all things The Female Social, be sure to follow us on Instagram at The Female Social Podcast. If you loved this episode, be sure to share it with a friend. We love connecting with more babes. See you next week.